we kind of celebrate some parts of the Christian calendar here. Some of them we sort of don't. It sort of depends on the church and the denomination. Um, and like Stephen said, like Advent is this idea of, of waiting or anticipating the coming, the arrival of Christ and um, at Christmas and just in our lives daily and his second coming when he comes back as well. And um, I guess sort of the goal of this time over the next few Sundays, we've actually only got this Sunday, next Sunday, then we've got the carols, and then that's it for the year, for Sunday night. So we're not going to have a Christmas Eve service, because Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we're not going to have a New Year's Eve service. So we're going to have two weeks off Sunday nights, and then we'll come back in January, so have a little bit of a break. Um, but sort of the goal over the next few weeks is, I suppose, to prepare our hearts, um, align ourselves with God coming into Christmas, because it's, can be, it can be a pretty full-on time. Like, Although it's the end of the year, there's often so many parties, there's often so much preparation, there's so many things to do, and it does get really busy, it does get kind of overwhelming, and it's easy to kind of lose God in the midst of that. And the, sort of the goal is that, that we spend some time just centering on who he is, centering on what it's really about. But you might think like, really again, like it's Christmas, like we just had Easter, and then it's going to be Christmas, and then it's Easter, and it's like we just do this again and again and again, and it's like, what's the point? It's just so repetitive, just kind of feels like we're going nowhere at all. But really, the, the, like the calendar that we follow, and the, the Christian calendar, it, it does repeat, and it's like on this loop. But the idea is that it's not like a loop that just goes around and around in a circle and doesn't move anywhere. It's like it's this loop that's like a bicycle wheel that's going round, but it's actually moving forward. And it's actually direction, there's actually momentum. And that we're remembering what happened 2,000 years ago, but we're actually still in the story. This is, what, um, this is how one author describes it. He says this, the point of it all is that in doing this, we're not simply going round and around the same topics, never getting anywhere. We are signing on as a part of God's larger project, God's forward purposes, his plans for the whole creation to be renewed, so that as the prophets of old said, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. In Jesus, God brought heaven and earth together. In his second coming, that joining will be complete. This is the Advent hope. So even though it kind of sounds, feels a bit sometimes like we're just doing the same thing, that, that history is actually moving forward. And that we're actually in the story. Like, like the story of the Bible is the story of God creating and redeeming and the new creation. And the story is not finished. Like, like we're actually a part of it. We're, we're in it. And this sort of season is, is remembering when God has come, anticipating him coming to us today and looking for him coming in the future. But with like coming and, and, and waiting, there's this idea of having, having to wait. And most of us probably don't really like waiting. Like, there's probably no one when you're like, what's your favorite thing to do? Like, wait. Like, I just love waiting for stuff. Like, like nobody really likes waiting for stuff. And, and there's kind of different types of waiting, I think. And, and certain ones are easier than others. Like, there's like waiting when you just, you have an appointment with somebody, like at a coffee shop. You know the time. You know you're meant to meet them at 10 o'clock. So you get there a bit early. So you know you have to wait like five minutes. And you know they're going to be there at 10. And it gets to like two past ten, and you're starting to freak out a little bit, but you know they're probably going to be there pretty soon, and, and it's fine. Like, you're waiting, but there's like a set time, you know when it is, it's not that difficult. And that's just life, right? Like, you have to wait for the flight, you have to get there a little bit before and you have to wait. You have to wait for the bus. Like you, but you know it's coming, and you know when it's coming. That's not that hard. 
There's another type of waiting, though, that, that I had to have this week. You've probably had it before. Um, we, Tam and I got a, got a house in Klanger this week, and um, we had to wait, I had to wait for the power to get turned on. So I called the electricity company and, and asked them to hook up the power, and basically what they do is they say, okay, you just need to be at the property between 8 and 1. And the property's just down the road, and I was like, I need to come to work. Like, it's only just here. I said, like, can't you just give me a call when you're close? It's like five minutes down the road. They're like, no, we don't know when we're coming. We can't give you a call. You just have to be there between 8 and 1. And if you're not there, we're going to give you a $100 fine. So that's, that's like this period of time. So on Thursday, like, I had to have everything ready. Like, I had to make sure I was prepared for it to be the whole time. I had to wait. I had to make sure I had everything there. I had to make sure I was on time. I had to make sure there was no reason I had to leave for any reason, because I might leave, and then they might come, and then I miss it. So there's this, like, period of time, right, where you have to wait, but you don't know when it is. And that's harder. The really good thing was they came at, like, 8.30. Like, it was awesome. It was really good. I was ready for, like, one, so then it's, like, really exciting. But, but that was, it, it, it's like, it's okay though, because you know they're coming. Like, there's, you're not sure when, but I was confident enough that Energex is pretty reliable. If they say they're going to come between 8 and 1, they're going to come between 8 and 1. So I got ready and I was waiting and it was okay because I knew that they were coming at some stage. I just didn't know exactly when. There's another type though that's really hard. And that's when you're waiting for something or you're waiting for someone and you don't know when it is and you don't know if it's really even going to happen because you don't know if you can even trust the person who said they're coming. Like, you might have even had a friend and, and they've made appointments with you multiple times and they just bail again and again and again and then you're waiting for them one time and you just don't know if they're going to show up because you can't really trust what they say. You can't really trust their word. And that sort of waiting is, is like almost impossible. Like that's so hard, right? Like, if someone says to you, I'm going to be there between 8 and 1, that's like the whole day, and you don't even really believe them, that's going to be incredibly hard to wait. You don't know when they're coming, and you don't even know if they'll come, then, then yeah, that's so hard. And, and maybe that's, that can happen between when someone loses trust, like someone con continually disappoints you, situations come, that the, the person's just not trustworthy, the situation's just not reliable, that is really hard to wait because you don't know if they're going to come through. The thing, though, that can be the case is we can sometimes feel like that, like we can't really trust the person to come through, but they might actually be trustworthy. And that makes it really hard to wait. Maybe we've been disappointed again and again, and we just lose the ability to trust and to believe. And then even if the person is trustworthy and faithful, we don't believe them. And it's so hard to wait. This is kind of a little bit related to the story we're going to look at today of Zechariah. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is um, go through the start of the book of Luke, which is the lead up to Jesus' birth. And there's a whole lot of different characters in this story. And it's, and it's really interesting. And, and they might be characters you haven't really heard much about. But I'm going to talk to you about mainly about Zechariah today and Elizabeth. And this is, this is right at the start of Luke. And, and this is like Luke is a doctor and he's compiling things that have happened in history. Like, like this is a real event that God actually moved in history and people have compiled it. And when he starts to talk about this, he starts by talking about this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's a really interesting place to start. This is what he says. Like he actually gives a whole lot of details about the history. He said, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. 
His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So Luke is like saying these people are from the like like the Old Testament, like the priests, they're, they're descendant of Aaron. This is this is God's people. This is part of God's story. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So the story of Jesus that Luke's telling starts with a couple. One is a priest, and another is an old lady. Both kind of nobodies, really. Like, like he's a priest, but maybe sort of out in the country. There was thousands of priests, and they're very old, and they don't have kids. And in this time, right, that that was actually a really, really big thing. That that they they were. She was actually talks about having reproach. That people actually looking down on her. Maybe even thinking that it's because of sin. But Luke makes it really clear. No, no, it's not. They're righteous. They follow God. They honor God. But they, they don't have a child, and you can imagine the disappointment that's been going on for years and years and years of of waiting, of hoping, expecting, and disappointment, of waiting and hoping, expecting, and disappointment. And this is where God, where Luke starts this story. This is what he says: Once Zechariah's division was on duty. He was serving as a priest before God, and he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And this is、um, basically like like they, they still worship God in the temple, and all the priests would come together. And this was like a once in a lifetime thing for Zechariah that that his job was to go into the temple and offer prayer, offer incense. So this was a really special moment, like an incredibly like ceremonial moment. This was following all the、um, laws that God had given, but in the midst of this, something incredible and something completely unexpected happens to Zechariah. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Do you imagine that? He's done all the preparations, right? He's going in to meet with God. He's burning the incense, and all of a sudden, there's an angel right there. And this kind of makes sense. It says, "When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. He just freaked out." And you see that, like so many times in this story in Luke, and just in the Bible, right? Like people are seeking God, or they're just doing something. There's an angel there, and they just freak out. Like that's like angel scared, like straight away. But the angel says to him, "Do not be afraid, Zechariah." And then the angel says this amazing thing: "Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth." For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So imagine this: this is an old man who's who's had so much disappointment in in desiring a child. Maybe he's even given up praying for that, and maybe he's just there, not even praying for a son or a daughter. Maybe he's just praying for the nation. Maybe he's just praying for the Messiah. Maybe he's just praying for the Savior. But he's not actually expecting something. He's surprised that God actually answers, and God says, "I'm going to give you a child." But he doesn't just say that. He goes on and he says that this child is never to take wine or, or, or drink alcohol, and he'll be filled with the Spirit before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God is actually answering His promises. God is actually coming, and He's come to Zechariah to announce that. He's saying, "Now is the time that I'm coming. I'm sending a son through you, who's going to prepare the the people of Israel for my coming." 
The waiting that, the waiting that they've been, um, the thing they've been waiting for for so many years is actually starting to be fulfilled. This is like amazing, right? And God is not just like doing this amazing big thing. He's actually doing something incredibly personal for Zechariah and for Elizabeth. But Zechariah's been disappointed again and again. Like, and he's, he's kind of old. Maybe he's cynical. Maybe he's kind of just lost hope. Because even though he's given this amazing news, like this incredibly good news from an angel, this is his response. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And it's so interesting, right? Like on the one hand, he's, he's, he's freaking out because there's an angel there. And then straight away, he's kind of like questioning and doubting and almost arguing with the angel. Like, like no, I, I, how can that happen? And this is so interesting, right, because like the Old Testament and, and the story of God is about so many times when, when, when someone can't have kids when they're old, like Abraham and, and um, Sarah are like the, the figureheads of Judaism. And their story is that they were old and God gave them a child. And now Zechariah is here and he's like, how is that possible? Like, like, how can I have a child? How can I really trust what you're saying? And he doesn't believe the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you this good news. And the angel's saying, like, this should be enough. Like, I'm here in front of you, and I'm speaking God's words, and it's good news, but you're not believing it. And then the angel gives him this, this um, it's kind of like a punishment or like a um, consequence to help him grow through this and learn through this. He says, now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. And we see that that was the issue, right? The issue wasn't just that Zechariah was asking a question. Like Zechariah actually didn't believe him. Like he'd come with this amazing promise, but Zechariah's response was to doubt and not believe, to ask for a sign, to ask for something else. And then, then this consequence, right, is so interesting. Now for nine months, for the whole period of this birth, he can't speak. Like he just goes around, he can't say anything. He's just quiet. And it's like this, this period of time God has given him to teach him and to grow him and to show his, him faith. Because right now he's stuck in this place of disappointment, not being able to believe the promise, even though the person making the promise is faithful, even though it is true. And we can be sometimes like that, right? Like sometimes, like we can, God can give us a promise, or we can hear his word, and it's, and it's good news, and it's amazing, but we just can't believe it. it just, it's just too good to be true, or there's just fear there. Well, there's just something in our heart that makes us doubt, that we, that we don't respond to him in faith, and that God wants to prepare our hearts and grow us and lead us and so that we, we believe his word and trust him. And this is what Zechariah does. And the interesting thing around this whole passage and the start of Luke is, is the theme that keeps coming through again and again is that God will fulfill his promises, like God will do what he said. If he said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And basically, Zechariah can't speak now. All he can do is see, and he just looks, and he sees this happen. Right? He sees that his wife gets pregnant. He sees that this child grows, and he starts to see God's promises come to pass. This was 
When after he'd left the temple, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Her response was just a response of faith. Her heart was open to God, and, and she just believed him with thankfulness and gratitude. But God needed to work on Zechariah. But we see, right, that this, this is what happens. He sees this, this, this um, promise come to pass. He sees that everything that God says starts to happen. And eventually he, he gets it and he believes and he realizes the significance of what's actually going on and he praises God. This is what he says. He says, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is after John was born and said, praise to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. And that's, what, that's what's happening, that everything God promised to, to Abraham, to others, to the prophets, God is actually doing. The interesting thing is that Israel had been waiting hundreds of years, nothing happening. And some people have begun to think he's not coming, he's not faithful. But he is, and, and what he said he will do. He says, you, child, will be called prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And this says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. This is John the Baptist. That everything God, the angel promised to Zechariah came true. And we see that in this story, that everything God promised to the prophets of old is coming true. That God's word is true. That, that the waiting is this kind of waiting. It's the waiting that like God doesn't say exactly when. That God gives us space. But the waiting can be with confident expectation because he's faithful, because his word is true, his word is reliable. It's not this sort of waiting that's like, we don't know if he's going to come, we don't know when, we, we, just, we just doubt. It's this fearful kind of waiting. The thing, though, is right, that, that if we're kind of struggling to believe that, we might have something in our heart that's sort of blocking that, or it's just our emotions that kind of get in the way. Like God says a promise but we don't feel like it's true. We don't feel like we can trust him. We don't, we don't know if he's reliable. And the, the thing is that faith is actually just believing him and taking him at his word. There's this book um, that's been really helpful for me. It's just called Faith is Not a Feeling. It's just this idea that faith is actually believing what God says, that God says something. We believe that he's faithful and he is true. And the lady who wrote this has this sort of... Um, um, I guess strategy is sort of um, model of way to actually process and deal with things that might be blocking ability to trust God and rely on his promises. Basically what she does in a situation, right, where, where she can just see something in herself that's just not in line with God, not in line with his promises, to, to journal through some different responses. The first thing she does is just journal through in this situation, like what are actually just some good things? But then in, maybe there's none. Like, maybe it's just terrible. Like, in this situation, what are some things that are actually terrible, that actually don't look like God is present, that actually are difficult, maybe in a person that's just difficult? 
But then what are my reactions to that? Like maybe it's this situation of disappointment, of frustration, of doubt, and actually bringing those to God and actually expressing those to God, but then looking and saying, well, in this situation, what are God's promises? Like what does God say? What is his word? What are some scriptures that align with this? And actually being able to do that and actually choose to believe God and choose to take him at his word, even when we don't know exactly when it will be, it's like this, this space. It could be early, it could be late, but God will do it because he said that his, his word is true and he's faithful. So what we're going to do in a, in a minute, we're going to take communion and at the communion tables, I've got a copy of this. And um, these guys are just going to play some music and I just want to, we're just going to make this a bit of a space to respond to God and however you'd like to. Um, maybe there's a situation right now, even, even leading into Christmas or leading into Advent, where just believing God and trusting his promises is just really hard. Like maybe it feels too good to be true. Or maybe there's, there's, there's just difficulty that makes it look like he's not faithful, make it look like he's not going to come, that it's not worth waiting Maybe there's a situation that you're in like that, and this is an opportunity to maybe express that to God, to, to reflect on it, to look at what's coming out inside yourself and what is the truth about his word. And, and as we do that, we're going to take communion as well. As, as we do that, right, like, so God, God has fulfilled all his words and he's fulfilled all his promises. And the, the main evidence of that, the main the main um, Thing that shows his love and his grace is the cross in that God loved us first he loved us before we sought him he loved us when we were his enemies that he died for us in our place for our sins and when we're struggling to believe him we're struggling to, to wait for him we're struggling to believe that he's faithful and he's true we come back to this place and see that even when the circumstances don't look like that, even when it doesn't feel like that, this is who he is. He's the God that would go to the cross to demonstrate that, to show that to us. So I'm just going to pray and then, then we just spend a little bit of time responding how you like. If, if you'd like just to pray, um, I'd like to come and get communion, come and get a sheet. Um, you can engage with that how you'd like to. So Father, we just... Thank you that, that you actually came, Jesus, that, that you came at the right time, Lord. Thank you that you've come to us. Um, maybe when we first met you or first responded to you, that, that you moved in our lives and we realized who you were. Um, thank you that, that you um, will come again. And Lord, Thank you that your promises are true and faithful even when we have to wait, even when we're not sure when they'll be fulfilled. God, would you just give us faith to believe you? So Lord, we just invite you into this place now um, just to move and do what you'd like, Lord. Um, we just ask that you give us faith and confidence in your promises and in who you are. So just give ourselves to you in your name. Amen.